Chapters 14 and 15 of The Paradise or Garden of the Holy Fathers, Book 2, by Palladius. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 14, The History of the Blessed of Agrius, the Solitary and Strenuous Monk. It is not meet that we should veil the history of this holy man in silence, for we must set it down plainly in writing, both for the help and edification of those who shall come across it, and for the glory of that God whose want it is to change bitterness to sweetness. We shall therefore make clear the history of the blessed man from the beginning, and tell how he journeyed step by step to the goal of spiritual excellence, and how he carried onwards to the ascetic life, and how he arrived at purity of heart, and how he departed from this world at the age of fifty-four years. Now this blessed man came from Pontus, where his family lived, and where his father held the office of visitor. And the blessed man Basil, bishop of Caesarea, appointed him to be a reader. And after the death of that blessed man Basil, Gregory, bishop of Nazianzus, seeing his perscopascopy and his great skill in the divine books, and that he was free from passions, and was adorned with virtues, brought him nigh to the grade of the priesthood. And he went up to the synod, which was held at Constantinople with the blessed man Gregory, who loved him greatly. And when the blessed man Nectarius, bishop of Constantinople, met him, he was drawn to love him, because he saw that he was a man of strong character, and he attached him to himself. Now Evagrius was beloved by all men, and he was held in honor by all men. And for this reason, Satan was envious of him and he disturbed his understanding through the vision of his mind, which he set in a blaze through the love of a certain woman. And this woman was the wife of one of the noblemen of the city, according to what he himself related unto us. And when by the will of God he was set free from these thoughts, the woman herself began to love Evagrius. Now she was a great lady of high degree. Then Evagrius, setting before his eyes the reproach of fornication, prayed unto God with labor that, in his grace, he might bring this matter to naught, and that he might extinguish the mad lust of that woman. To chide her himself, the blessed man, was not able, because he was bridled by the large number of gifts which he had received from her. And his prayer having been heard, when as yet he had not union with her sinfully, an angel appeared unto him in the form of a soldier of the prefect, who seized him and cast him into prison, and loaded his neck and his hands with chains, but who did not inform Evagrius for what reason he had to bear this ill-treatment. And the thought sprang up in his mind, which said, Perhaps that woman's husband has laid an accusation against me before the judge. Then Evagrius found himself in great agony of mind, because he saw that other men, who had been committed to prison for offenses similar to his own, were condemned to judgment before his eyes. And the angel changed his form, and appeared unto him in the guise of one of his friends. And he began to say unto him, when he saw that he was loaded with chains, and had been placed with the malefactors, What is this which hath happened unto thee, O brother? And Evagrius made answer unto him, saying, My brother, in truth I know not. I think that perhaps some prince of the city hath laid an accusation against me before the judge, because of some vain jealousy or envy, which hath burst into flame in him, 
and I am afraid lest, through a gift of much money, the judge may issue a decree of death against me. And the angel said unto him, If thou wilt receive the words of thy friend, I counsel thee not to remain in the city. And the blessed of Agrius said unto him, Thinkest thou that thou wilt see me in this city if God will deliver me from this trial? Thou mightest as well think that I am enduring these evils righteously. Then the angel said unto him, Swear unto me that thou wilt depart from the city, and will have a care for thy soul, and I will deliver thee from these trials. And Evagrius took an oath unto him by the book of the gospel, saying, I will not tarry here more than one day, which will be necessary for me to put my things in the ship. And when Evagrius woke up from his sleep, he thought within himself and said, Although the words of the oaths have been uttered in a dream, it is right that I should fulfill that which I have promised. So he put his things in a ship and departed to Jerusalem, where the blessed woman Melina received him gladly. Now Melina had come from the city of Rome, and because Satan had made the heart of Evagrius as hard as that of Pharaoh, he failed to call to mind that which he had promised to do. And he went back to his former habits and returned to his pride, and was arrayed in filthy garments. But God, because he is in the habit of bringing to naught on our behalf things of evil, kindled the fire of a great fever in Navagrius, and he cast him into a sickness which lasted for six months, and none of the physicians was able to bring healing unto him. Then the blessed woman Melina said unto him, My son, thy long illness pleaseth me not. Tell me then concerning it, for peradventure there is something hidden in thy mind. Thy illness is not like unto that of every other man. Then Evagrius confessed unto her the whole matter. And Melina said unto him, Promise me truthfully, that from this time onwards thou wilt take care of thyself in a habitation of monks, and that thou wilt work unto God. And however great a sinner I may be, I will pray for thee, and relief shall be given unto thy tribulation. Then he promised to do that which she required at his hands. And before a few days had passed by, the blessed man was healed, and he rose up from his bed, and from that day his whole mind was changed. And he departed and went to the mountain which is in Egypt, and which is called Nitria, and dwelt there for two years. And in the third year he departed into the inner desert, and dwelt there fourteen years, in the place which is called the Cells. And he lived upon one pound of bread a day, and a box of oil every three months. He had been a man in great pomp, and he had made great his body, and he had been ministered unto by slaves. Yet he laid down a rule that he should pray in the course of each day one hundred prayers. He lived by the labor of his hands, and he only accepted the bare price of his daily food for all the work he did, and his work was to write books. Before, however, the fifteen years had passed by, he had cleansed his heart and was held to be worthy of the grace of God, and wisdom and understanding were given to him, and he knew the power of spirits. He composed three volumes and taught us therein the cunning of devils and the snares laid by the thoughts. And the blessed man of Agrius himself related unto us that the devil of fornication once made an attack upon him, and that he stood up naked the whole night long in the desert. 
Now it was the season of winter, until his flesh was quite shriveled and dried up, and the devil of blasphemy, on another occasion, made it an attack upon him, and according to what he had told us, he passed forty days under the open sky in winter, until his flesh became like that of the beasts of the desert. And he also told us that once three devils came to him in the daytime, in the form of three members of a religious body, and they began to discuss the faith with him. One of these declared himself to be an Arian. The second said that he was a Eunomian, i.e. the follower of Eunomius, bishop of Sisychus, A.D. 360-364. through 364. And the third confessed himself to be of the sect of Apollonius, bishop of Laodicea. He died about A.D. 390. But by divine grace which was with him, he drove them away, having put them to shame. And again he told us that one day he lost the key of his cell, but he made the sign of a cross over the door, and then put in his hand and opened it, having called Christ to his help. He was beaten with innumerable stripes by the devils, and he learned by experience very much concerning their cunning. He made known unto one of his disciples by prophecy, that which should happen unto him for a period of eighteen years, and what he said actually came to pass. And he said, From the time when I entered the desert, I have never washed, and I have never eaten any vegetable or any fruit or any grapes. At the end of his life, however, that is to say, in the sixteenth year wherein he departed from the world, he ate compulsory food, which was cooked by fire, and he was obliged to do this because of the weakness of the stomach which had overtaken him, and he was compelled to take food which had been cooked because of this. Chapter 15. The History of Malchus, the Solitary Monk About three months from Antioch in Syria, there is a certain village which is called Moronia, and in this village was an old monk whose name was Malchus, and he was a wonderful and a holy man. Now at that time I had traveled far away from the house of my fathers, and I went to Evagrius the priest, where I heard concerning the holy man Malchus, and I desired greatly to see him and to be blessed by him. So I went to him, and he received me gladly, and began to tell me about the habits of life and the works of the monks, and how it is right to fear the Lord, and having rejoiced greatly in the pious words of his doctrine, I besought him to confirm me especially in such things. Then he said unto me, My son, I will relate unto you concerning the temptations, which in proportion to my presumption and thoughtlessness have come upon me, in order that they may help you, and also concerning the compassionate grace of the Lord God, who took me out of and redeemed me from them, and who permitted them to come upon me for the correction of many who should learn of me and should not become disobedient to the exhortation of their spiritual fathers, because disobedience is the cause of death. Then, having said these things, he began to narrate to me his history. And he said, I was born in the village which is called Nisibis, and I was the only child of my parents, who, because I was the only child they ever expected to have, were proud of me. And when I had arrived at manhood's estate, they were anxious to marry me to a wife. But when I spake against their wish, saying, It is right for me to become a monk, and to serve the Lord, 
and they heard of it, and they were exceedingly wroth with me. Now my father urged me to marry, and threatened me with penalties if I did not, and my mother was always inciting and counseling me to do so. And seeing that their minds were most firmly set upon this, which would become unto me an impediment to my confession of the faith before God, I forsook them, and treated with contempt all the riches of this world, and took with me only a very small sum of money, which was just sufficient for the expenses of my journey. Now I wished to go to the monasteries of the East, and because at that time the Greeks had determined to make war upon the Persians, I changed my intention, and made up my mind to go to the West. And whilst I was pondering this matter, I learned that between Kineshrine and Apollo there was a monastery which is suited in a peaceful spot. So I give up my former intention and went thither, and I asked them to receive me, and I remained with them, and I wrestled with all their ascetic habits and rules of chastity according to their godly ways of life, and I made progress therein in the Lord. And having remained in that monastery for a certain number of years, and having lived plainlessly a life of spiritual excellence, all the brethren rejoiced at the growth of my asceticism. And because of the calumniator, that jealous and envious being could not endure this, he cast into my mind thoughts which were apparently correct ones, saying, Since thy father is dead, return to thy house and comfort thy mother, so long as she is alive, and after her death sell thy possessions and give some of the price thereof to the poor, and the remainder keep, and with it build a monastery, and thou thyself shall become a father and governor of monks. And to tell the truth to thee, my son, the calumniator casts within me the passion of avarice, saying, Keep some of the money for thine old age. And when the war which was caused by these thoughts had been waged against me daily for some time, I felt obliged to reveal the sickness of my soul to the spiritual father, who, when the holy father had heard thereof, said unto me, My son, hearken not to thy feelings, for this is a snare of Satan, who by means of this cunning device hath put many monks backward in their course, even as a dog goeth back to his vomit, and hath cast them down, and hath made them lose their inheritance, and who, though continually setting before them the hope of that which is good, hath nevertheless brought them down into Sheol. For having raised Adam to a height of error which resembled this, he brought him down to the bottom of Sheol, and our Lord commandeth him that he hath laid his hands upon the plough not to turn back. Now when by means of such testimonies which he brought from the Holy Scriptures, he was not able to persuade me to stay. He therefore fell down before me and wished to swear by the Lord that I would not forsake him. And whilst that merciful and pious father was saying these things for my deliverance, the enemy was placing in my heart the words, The father acteth not thus, because he would show compassion on thee, but he wisheth that the whole community of the brethren may be glorified by thy staying here. And by saying words of this kind to me, that evil adviser made me gain a victory of wickedness, and he made me to come forth out of the monastery, and still clinging unto me as unto one who is lost, the father said unto me, My son, I see that thou art consumed by love of money. The sheep which goeth forth from his flock without his shepherd 
straightway becometh a prey unto the wolves. And when he had spoken these words unto me, I left him. Then I went from Apello to Edessa, by the king's highway, and being afraid of the soldiers, i.e., bands of marauding robbers, who had already taken up their abode in the countries round about, I remained in Edessa, hoping to find company for the journey, for so great as this was my watchful fear. And when we had gathered together a company of men and women, whose names were seventy in number, and had therefore set out on the road, suddenly a band of Arab soldiers swooped down upon us, and he carried us all away. Then I called to mind the exhortation of the Holy Father, and I said to myself, O my soul, such are the great riches which I went forth to inherit. O wretched man that I am, such are the promises of the enemy, the deceiver and destroyer of souls. Inherit thy wealth then, O wretched one, and make thyself happy therewith. And as I was saying these things to myself, one of the Arabs took me, and a certain woman, and set the two of us on one camel, and having traveled a short distance in the desert, because we were afraid, lest we should fall from the camel, we were compelled to hold tightly to each other. And not only did this shame come upon mine unconceivable mind, but I was always obliged to eat with her, and the Arab gave us milk and camel's flesh, and he carried us to his tent, and he commanded me to do homage to his wife, and to bow down before her. And he said, This is thy mistress. Now, through these things, I, the chaste man and a monk, was becoming acquainted with the form and the nakedness of these people, according to the reward which my passion of avarice merited. And the Arab ordered me to gird myself about with woolen garments, and to shepherd the sheep, and this occupation became unto me a source of consolation for the tribulations which surrounded me because after a few days I was released from the evil faces of my masters and companions. But this alone did not bring me consolation, for I remembered that Abel and the patriarch Jacob and his sons and the holy man Moses and the king David were shepherds of sheep. And I rejoiced in the desert, and I pastured the sheep, and prayed and sang the psalms which I learned in the monastery. And I used to eat cheese made of goat's milk, and I drank milk, and I gave praise to God that I had obtained such a light penalty for my disobedience. And remembering that the apostles said, Servants be submissive to your masters, not only to the good, but also to the wicked. Colossians 3.22, Ephesians 6.5 I took care of my master's sheep with the utmost diligence. Now in all these things I kept in mind always the envy of the calumniator, which hateth that which is good. And when my master saw that I was acting rightly towards him, he wished to reward me well, therefore, and he wanted to marry me to that woman who had been taken captive with me. And when I spake against his proposal, saying, I am a monk, and I cannot do this, besides, this woman hath an husband who was taken captive with us, and who has passed into other ownership. His wrath went upon me, and he drew his sword, and he set his gaze upon me, and would have killed me, had it not been that I ran and took hold of his wife's hand. And having married me to the woman, he brought me into a cave with her. When therefore I knew that this was indeed the captor of my soul, I cried aloud and wept, and said, Woe unto me, the sinner! What hath happened unto me? 
for having grown old in the life of virginity, a terrible evil now cometh upon me, and I must forsooth become the husband of a wife. Where now is my mother, and where are the possessions and riches of my father's? For because I was not persuaded to perform the obedience of the servants of God, and because I separated myself therefrom, and because I forsook the Lord, I must endure things of this kind. Now what wilt thou do, O my wretched soul? For if thou dost conquer by patient endurance, by the grace of God, thou wilt be held worthy of help. But if thou art lax, severe punishment is laid up for thee. Fight then mightily against sin, and turn the sword against thyself, that there may be kept for thee the testimony of chastity. Hold in contempt the fire of time, that thou mayest flee from the fire of eternity, and conquer thou sin in the desert, that thou mayest be persecuted and chosen witnesses. Then I took the sword in my hands and saluted that woman, saying, Mayest thou remain in peace, O wretched woman, and acquire for thyself rather a martyr than a husband. For because I would not marry a wife, and fled from and forsook my parents. Now when the woman saw the sword which was shining in the darkness, she fell down before my feet, and said unto me, I will make thee swear by Jesus Christ, the Lord of praise, that thou wilt not kill thyself for my sake. And if thou wishest to do this turn the sword against me, why shouldest thou wish to kill thyself, so that thou mayest not take me to wife? Knowest thou that I am far more anxious than thou art to preserve my chastity unto Christ, and must guard it not only against thee, but also against my lawful husband? For even if he were to come, I would keep myself chaste. This is what this captivity wherewith I am teacheth me. For this affliction should teach us to take refuge in the Lord. Take me then to thyself as a companion of thy chastity, and let us love each other in spiritual love, so that when our masters see us, they may think our intercourse is carnal. Now God, who knoweth hearts, recognizeth spiritual brotherhood, and we can easily persuade this people, when they see us together, in this wise, that we love each other. Then, whilst marveling at the understanding of the woman, I received her good advice gladly in Christ, and henceforth I loved her as a spiritual helpmate, and as a pure and chaste helper. I never saw her body naked, and I never approached her couch, for I was afraid, lest, having been victorious in the time of war, I might receive a received wound through the arrows of the enemy in the time of peace. In this wise, then, our masters left us for a long time, and they were not afraid that we were preparing to run away from them, for it happened on several occasions, sometimes for a whole month together, that I was alone with the woman in the desert, and my master used to come, and when he saw that I was taking good care of his sheep, he would go back to his place rejoicing. And it came to pass one day, according to my custom, I was sitting in the desert, and I began to meditate upon the peaceful life of the brethren who were in the monastery, and I saw also the face of our Holy Father, as if it had been an image, and I thought of his perfect and abundant love for me, and how anxious he was in every way that I should not be separated from him, and how I would not be persuaded to stay with him by the divine revelation, and how he bore witness beforehand concerning the images which would happen to me. Whilst then I say, 
I was pondering upon these things in my mind. I was greatly afflicted thereby. I saw an ant's nest, and I saw multitudes of these insects working with the greatest diligence and care in their various ways, and I saw how they were all making their way into the nest through a narrow entrance without impeding each other. Some of them were bringing seeds for the wintered food. Others were bringing loads which were larger than their bodies, and others were carrying on their backs those which had been wounded, and others were expelling from the nest those which had settled themselves inside, and they were cutting them up into small pieces, lest being drenched in the winter they should have to return to the grass, and should die of hunger and be destroyed. The others were carrying dust, so that when the winter rains fell with violence, they might be able to block up the entrance with their nest firmly. Now the sight was, in my opinion, worthy to wonder at, because everything which these small creatures did was done in perfect order, and I spent the whole of the day in watching them, and so enjoyed some relaxation from my afflictions. And I said, Well did Solomon counsel us to be like these creatures, for he wished to stir up our lazy and sluggish understandings, in this wise to perform with a ready mind the things which befit our redemption. Whilst then, I say, I was pondering upon these things in my mind, and was greatly afflicted thereby, I began to have sorrow concerning myself, because my lazy and sluggish mind lacked the great sense of order and arrangement which the ants possessed, and also the faculty of not being disturbed by thoughts of laziness, which the brethren possessed in common with the ants and also because the calminator had hunted me down like a child, and had set me in captivity, and had hurled me into such great temptations. And I thought of those who were offering their souls with all their hearts to Christ, and who were being guided on their way in the monasteries by submission and spiritual grace, through the righteous redemption of our Redeemer, and who were anxious to preserve their souls blameless, and who were laboring diligently and without any hindrance, and with all their strength to do their work, and to minister unto one another, and who are not saying about any possession which was theirs, it is mine, and who had everything in common, and who carried out perfectly the manner of life which is described in the Acts of the Apostles, Acts 4.32, according to which no man said about any possession that it was his, and everything was in common, and who though possessing nothing, yet possessed everything, and who enjoyed sufficiently that which they had for their daily needs, with all fear or with all praise, and glorified him who richly provided them with everything. And having made my heart sad, and low with such thoughts, for many days I went to that woman, who, seeing how greatly my countenance was changed, entreated to be allowed to learn the cause thereof, and having confessed to her that it was because I had remembered the regular life of the brethren, and that I wished to escape and return to the monastery, out of which the enemy had made me to come, she advised me and besought me to take her with me, and to place her also in a nunnery. And having together decided upon this plan, we wept and entreated our Lord to help us carry out what we had determined, and to deliver us from that wicked people, now therefore, having firm hope in God's assistance, we took thought for our return, and I slew two large goats which I had with me, and made their skins into water bottles, and having loaded their flesh upon our shoulders, I took the woman and we departed, 
and we traveled the whole night long and came to an exceedingly great and wide river and i blew up the water bottles and gave one to the woman and kept the other myself and we laid hold upon them with our hands and sitting astride of the skins we paddled with our feet and crossed over the river then seeing that we should have to cross a desert wherein there was no water we drank abundantly of the water of the river and rose up from that place and went on our way quickly and we were turning round continually to look behind us because of our horrible expectation that there would be men pursuing us and that even if we could escape from them we should fall into the hands of wicked men like unto them now because of our fear lest this should happen and because of the heat of the sun we were obliged to travel by night and urged by this great fear and also by our great anxiety we were looking behind us ceaselessly and after traveling five days we turned around suddenly and saw our master and one of his companions riding upon camels and holding drawn swords in their hands and pursuing after us and by reason of our fear the sun appeared to us to become dark and whilst we were in this terrible state of fright and did not know where to escape through the providence of christ the hope of the hopeless and the help of the helpless we peered around in that place and found a frightful cave in the ground wherein had gathered all the numerous kinds of snakes which are found in the desert serpents and asps and vipers and scorpions which had gone therein because of the burning heat of the sun into this cave we tottered and we hid ourselves in the corner on the left hand side thereof and we said if our lord help us this cave shall be unto us a house of deliverance but if he leave us to the sinners it will be our grave now when our master and his companion following in our footsteps had pursued us to the cave they lighted from their camels and stood by the mouth thereof and when we saw our master such great fear laid hold upon us that we were unable to move our tongue to utter a word for owing to the greatness of our fear we were already as dead men before the sword stroke fell upon us and when our master stood outside the cave and called to us we were unable to speak to him because of our fear and he took hold of the camels and commanded his companion to go in and bring us out whilst he stood outside waiting for us with his sword drawn so that he might by means thereof quell his brutal madness now when the young man had gone into the cave for a distance of five paces he stood still and because he had come in from the outside his eyes had become dazzled by the light of the sun and he could not see now we being quite near him could see him standing there but because he was unable to see us he began to terrify us with his voice saying come out o ye wicked slaves who deserve death wherefore do ye delay behold your master is outside expecting you and as he was saying these words we saw a lioness rise up on the right hand side of the cave and she sprang upon him and whilst he was yet speaking she seized him by the throat and strangled him forthwith and then dragged him in and laid him on her lair for she had a male cub and when we saw our enemy lying there before our eyes we glorified god with great joy now his master not knowing what had happened and thinking that the young man had been overcome by us and being unable to contain himself for rage 
ran forward holding his drawn sword in his hand and standing at the mouth of the cave cried out in his wrath to the young man saying quick quick bring forth these slaves to me that they may die an evil death and whilst he was speaking the lioness sprang upon him suddenly and ripped him up and threw him headlong on the ground and we marveled at all these unspeakable and inexplicable wonders of the lord and we give thanks to him and we rejoiced in the glory of him who in this tribulation had risen up and by whose command the wild beast had destroyed our enemies now when the lioness turned back and passed from one side to the other of the cave where we were we thought she would destroy us but because of the wonderful thing which had been wrought we continued to praise the lord and we said since the lord hath delivered us from those wicked men he can if he willeth hand us over to the lions but nevertheless let us praise him and give thanks unto him now whilst we were thus thinking in our minds the lioness took the cub in her mouth and departed from the cave and left the place to us but after she had gone because of the state of fear in which we were we remained the whole of that day in the cave and in the morning we went forth and found the camels that were still laden with provisions which our master had brought for himself and his slave and we ate and drank therefrom and for all these things we give thanks unto god who had delivered us from our enemies and we rode upon the camels having crossed that desert in ten days we arrived at a greek camp and we drew nigh to the tribune who was in command of it and related unto him everything which had happened unto us then he sent us on to sabinus who was at that time duke of mesopotamia and he likewise learned all our affairs and took the camels and gave us their price and he dismissed us to depart to our country in peace now before our return it happened that my spiritual father fell asleep and the woman who had been my helper and who had given me excellent advice and had counseled good actions i placed in the abode of virgins and i returned to my own monastery and to my spiritual brethren where at the beginning the lord directed me and i related unto that blessed brotherhood the story of all the things which had happened to me and i confess that it was because i had not hearkened unto the admonition of that holy father that the lord left me so that all these trials might come upon me and he did this for the correction of many now therefore my son all these trials which came upon me because of my disobedience in which i have narrated before thee are intended for the edification and the protection of thy soul get thou possession of them because by the help of god patient endurance and implicit obedience will deliver a man from all temptations obedience to the commandments of god is everlasting life and the patient endurance which is perfect produceth everlasting life in us for he who endureth unto the end shall live st matthew ten twenty two these things did the old man mark malchus himself relate unto me whilst i was a young man and on account of the law of brotherly love i have written them down because they befit the chaste life of holy old men and tend to their edification and admonition do ye then relate them unto those who are young so that they may learn that those who have drawn nigh to the venerable estate of pure chastity and who have preserved the same for christ's sake even unto the end and who are protected 
by his power shall overcome all the temptations of the enemy, and neither captivity nor the sword nor any temptation shall be able to overthrow those who have persevered in all purity and holiness, the temple of Christ without spot and blemish, even unto death, and they shall become holy temples, and the Spirit of God shall dwell in them, and notwithstanding all the words of the Calminator, he shall bestow victory upon them, for ever and ever. Amen. End of chapters 14 and 15